Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the conversation. Today I'm sitting down with Blake Guichet for real life talk about real life faith. This is a much needed candid conversation for anyone who is so tired of hustling and you're never feeling enough or you're longing to truly embrace grace. She's going to help us know how to leave hustle culture for a grace-centric life. Or if you're wondering how to take a bold stand for Christ, Blake is a bold voice and leading especially in the digital space with her podcast, with her social media channels, and with a brand new book that I'll share about in just a second. If you want to talk about all the things that Christians aren't sure we should be talking about and what we're supposed to say and why they matter to God, Blake is a safe space to talk about hard things. This whole month, we're talking about leadership. And last week, I sat down with Jenny Cutron to talk about leading with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Today, I'll be sitting down with Blake. Next week, you're going to hear from Dr. Olathe Barnett, one of the best books I have read in a long time about embracing diversity of a different kind. Do not miss this episode. And then I'm sitting down with Crystal Martin, who is the head of women in ministry for the Assemblies of God. And it's such a great conversation about the value that women bring to the kingdom. So Blake is this strong voice that we need leading in the digital space. And now in her brand new book, Confessions of a Crappy Christian by Blake Guichet. She's a writer. She's a host of the wildly popular podcast by the same name. And she's the founder of the Crappy Christian Company, which aims to teach women how to use their God-given gifts for the kingdom. Blake is a history buff. She's a much-needed bold voice whose primary goal in all aspects of her ministry is to tell the truth while always pointing people to Jesus. Before we launch in this episode, speaking of leadership, if you've been listening to this season, you'll know that this season I'm partnering with Evangel University and Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. I am back in school pursuing my Master's of Leadership and Ministry. It has been one of the best decisions I have made. We can all continue to learn and grow as a leader. So check out my show notes where I put a link where you can find out how you can grow your leadership right at Evangel or AGTS from your own home. This is an online master's program that I'm taking. The courses are extraordinary because we want to steward well what God has given us to speak truth, speak it in love, to know what we believe and why we believe it. So it's been an honor to partner with them this season. And guys, get ready for real life talk about real life faith with Blake Guichet. Welcome, Blake. I so appreciate your voice and our generation, and welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Well, I loved your book, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. It just released, and I want to just read something that you share in the introduction for us, kind of just start here. When the constraints of a curated life came crashing down, what I was left with was enough, even if I didn't always feel like it was. It came down to knowing I was okay in all my mess, with all my flesh's proclivity for ridiculousness, God wanted me. So one of the themes that really 
came through loud and clear for me as I read this book, Blake, was the power of grace in your life. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to just speak to how that has come to be really the defining hallmark of your life. And maybe for someone who's listening and feeling like they have not tapped into the power of that grace, what encouragement would you have for them? So I grew up in the church. I grew up going to youth group and going to Sunday school, but it never really was a relationship of my own until I got to college. And unfortunately, a lot of my early experience with religion or Christianity or or my introduction to Jesus had a very like legalistic touch to it. Yeah. And that was just what you knew. Like you don't really know any differently. And it wasn't something that my parents tried to impart. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, they were doing the best with what they had and It wasn't until uh, even once my relationship with Christ became my own in my early twenties, it still had that very like checklist need to do all these things to be okay. Trying to always like just feel okay with God. Mm. And it really wasn't until my late twenties, early thirties, we started going to a different church that is very grace heavy. And I started to kind of be like, wait, what if God doesn't just love me? What if he likes me? Mm. Like, what if, what if he thinks he did a good job? What if I actually am fearfully and wonderfully made and still in process and messy, but even in the midst of that, God still likes me. Mm. Um, And that has just been radical and radically changed my experience with grace and with the word of God and with my relationship with him and my relationship with others. You know, I probably once a week tell my followers like, God doesn't just love you. He likes you. Yeah. And that's really good news. It's the best news. And it I is. love that you, you lead kind of with that in your own story. I follow you of course on social media and you guys, if you don't, you got to check her out And her podcast is dynamic and wildly popular. So go learn all the things Blake Gichet, but let's talk a little bit about even when you came into maybe a different relationship with the Lord that was more grace um, centric, you still talk about the hustle culture and how that was still very much a framework around your life. And we get, we can still get trapped in that and continually chasing something maybe afraid to fail. And I've told you that I'm a recovering. I want to say recovered. I really want that ED on the end of it. (laughs) Perfectionist. So I totally get it. But ultimately we really only need to chase one thing. So I'd love for you to share about the toll that you found this hustle culture of life. Cause that was a really impactful part of reading your story for me, Blake. I just stopped and paused and sat with the gravity of what this had cost you so I'd love as you, as you're sharing that, how we can discern if we're motivated by working for God's name mm-hmm. and his glory or our own, because there is this difference between hustling and hard work and mm-hmm. this place of resting and relying on God. So however you want to speak into that, how did you come to that place of realizing, wow, this hustle culture is taking quite a toll on my heart and my soul. And how can we discern if we're living there? Yeah. So I would say the kind of, I had an extended wake up call. I didn't have one moment where I was, oh, I've, you know, gotten my priorities out of whack or, oh, you know, it it was a gradual, which was kind of nice of God to not Mm. like brick wall slam me on this one, (laughs) which anyway, so I went, I actually went to LA, went to a really popular, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like motivational speakers conference, did the whole like rah, rah, I want to be an influencer. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I was a stay at home mom to two really young kids. I have horrific postpartum anxiety every time I birth a human. So I was in the throes of that. My husband worked like crazy, but I had decided that after, uh, I guess at the time, four years of kind of putting my dreams on a shelf to be, to create a family that I was going to do it. Well, eight months into that, I'm going to do it. I end up in adrenal failure, uh, like literally at a doctor's office, the doctor looking over my blood work and being like, I don't know how you're upright right now. I mean, I had all my vitamins were through the floor. Just everything was terrible. My cortisol was off Mm. the charts and it, it, it was manifesting in my life very tangibly. I was so tired. It was so foggy. It was super irritable. I just felt kind of almost like outside my body. Like I was doing all of these things, but it wasn't, I had no ability to be present. And it was just like, I don't want to live like this. And so that, that doctor event was about, about like six to eight months after going to the, the event in LA and kind of the culmination of those two and some other things in between, it just kind of, I got to this point where I was like, I got to put all of this at the foot of the cross. Like I can't carry this anymore. I am tired. I am not having fun. And this overwhelming realization that everything I was doing was, and it's so cringy. I even had to put in the book, like, please don't stop reading. Like just <laughs> push through. I promise I redeemed myself, but Aww. it was just like, I wanted the spotlight on myself. Yeah. I've, I've always enjoyed entertaining. My parents will tell you that I'm like a weird introvert extrovert where like I do like to share what I have to say and I want to be heard but also like I want to go get in bed and not talk to anybody for five days Mm. but I had just all of the focus was on me and what I could do because I I am talented there are things that I am good at and I think Christian culture gets us real weird about that too that like we go one way or the other where you're working for your own glory or you think you're garbage and can't do anything. And so yeah, that's good. That's insightful. I, mm-hmm. it is, and so I kind of had like rejected that and was like, no, like I am talented and I'm going to use my talented, but talents, but I had just gone about it all the wrong way. Mm. And so I just kind of like laid it all down and God really did such a work in my heart that I don't, I know it wasn't something that I could have ever like mustered up. He really moved my desires away from attention and accolades to being present with this really beautiful family that he had given me and creating memories and pulling us in closer and cultivating a home of peace. And Mm. I was really, really happy and, and content with those things. And then like a year or like six months later, he had me start a podcast, Mm. which I think, you know, I can retrospectively see like he had to get my heart and motivation and focus where it needed to be. Cause if things had taken off when I had that previous, you know, I'm getting the glory mindset, it would have probably been like a blazing ball of fire Mm. crash, you know, but I just had, I, encourage people to constantly ask themselves like who's getting the glory yeah and you can ask yourself that question for almost everything you do who's getting the glory are are you parenting so that you'll get the glory or are you parenting so that god's going to get the glory in who your children grow up to be Mm -hmm. are you creating this content or service or product 
for to glorify God by using your gifts or because you want your name in the spotlight? It's a really easy question to ask with really difficult answers. And it doesn't mean that your name won't end up in spotlight. I mean, it won't end up that God's not going to use your strengths and your spiritual gifts and your core, all of the things that he's going to use. He designed you. He wants you to use those things, but it was really, as you're sharing that, like it was like his mercy. A hundred percent. He was like, not quite. No. Yeah. Uh, There's a line, uh, somebody, I can't ever remember who says it, but that God has no problem elevating the voices of those who want to elevate him. God, God throughout scripture, elevated voices of people who were faithful and obedient to him. So that's, that's not a negative thing. It's where's your heart because we have over and over, especially over the last three to five years, watch these Christian leaders fall from glory and, and fall from, from good standing. Yeah. And I'm not going to speak to what, where their heart was when it happened, but I do think that that question of who's getting the glory can help you stay in check. I agree. And it's not a one and done. I have found oh, no. <laughs> you have to like continually kind of assess your motivation. Even if a new opportunity comes your way or yep. a new ask or a God assignment, it can still be a God assignment. And then my own messy motivations get in the middle of that thing. And I think if we realize that, you know, not to feel condemned, just to like, okay, Lord, help me figure this out. And we can easily, our culture doesn't lend itself to no. recalibrating ourselves to where God gets the glory. It's very self-focused. So I think hundred percent living with an awareness of it, I think helps yeah. a lot. And I just, I, I just appreciated your vulnerability to share yeah. these things. Like early on in the book, I thought it was really insightful for you to be that vulnerable. Yeah. Oh yeah. The book opens just me being like, like it was like (laughs) bare air it all is. I mean, look, I just a week ago, we had gotten invited to this really fancy schmancy gala in LA as like special guests. And we were going to go, like we had booked our flights and bought our fancy dress, like bought my fancy dress. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't think we're supposed to go. Like, I I don't want to be away from my kids that much. I don't really want to spend this money. Oh, uh, like it would be a cool opportunity. And I think some of my heart was this feeling of like, you have to take advantage of these opportunities that are put in front of you because they're scarce. Ooh. And that's just such a scarcity mindset versus is, abundance, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so we canceled our flight, canceled our hotel, returned the dress and I'm perfectly at peace with not going, mm. but I, you just, it's super easy to get caught up in the rat race and be like, this is an opportunity. I need to take it. Well, yeah. not everything that comes your way is yours. I, that's so good. I was going to say scarcity mindset and you said it while I was thinking of it. And really underneath that is a lack of trust. It goes back to, I have to make this happen. If it's going to be, it's up to me rather than, okay, God, I trust you that I'm not feeling peace about this. God is in our no, Mm -hmm. just as much as he's in the yes. And when he knows that we will surrender that to him, he can entrust us with more. It's really a stewardship principle. There's a lot that you're leaning into there. So I just appreciate you modeling that for us because we don't all get this right all the time. And so it's, right. it's great to be like, okay, let me just keep reminding myself, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Is God getting the glory out of this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming out of that hustle culture, you talked about um, just the kind of the emptiness that you were feeling at that point. I made a note um, when I read that chapter that we cannot make our lives matter for the kingdom if we lived empty and exhausted instead of energized and knowing here we are in Christ. In fact, 
Like you devote an entire chapter to where do we get our worth? That's part of what we talk about here on the podcast. And you shared on Instagram that one of the top lies women struggle with is that we are unworthy. Mm-hmm. So how did this go sideways for us? And what encouragement do you have for someone who's listening, who is struggling with their worth? You may have even said it earlier, God doesn't just love us. He likes us, but somehow yeah. we've gotten into this almost like it's a badge of honor to walk around <laughs> feeling unworth. I, and I don't want to say it that way. That sounds no, it is. harsh, but like, how did this go sideways and how did you not only discover it, but get that ship turned to where maybe we're feeling unworthy of even the love of God and realizing, yeah. wait a minute, this is, this is crucial for us to get our head around. So if there's anything else, but that you didn't already share earlier, I'd love to just let you speak into that a little bit. Yeah. I think there's a couple of ways that this really sneakily gets into our life, but then gets its claws in really mm. strong. Okay. And I, I sometimes get pushback for talking about the ways that the church capital C corporate church messes things up. And I, I all it's always from a place of love and like wanting things to get better. It's yeah. I'm not like a church basher. I'm not a deconstructionist. I love the church like Christ, but if you love someone and you see issues in the way that they are doing things, isn't the loving thing to do to speak up about it. But I do think that some of it is, let's talk about it specifically with women. I do think that worthiness and worth is something that men struggle with, but I am not a man. And so I cannot speak to that, but I can tell you as a woman, um, I think we have misdefined humility to Mm. mean sitting down and being quiet Um, and humility is running full speed in the fullness of your gifts, knowing that it's all about Jesus. Wow. That's real humility is knowing, like knowing that you're running your race, but knowing that he is what empowers your feet to move. Mm. Um, and I, part of why I do what I do today is that I was really stuck in that mentality for a really long time. And then once I started to get out of it, I started to see, you know, like it almost like clears your vision. You start to see the women around you where you're like, wait, hold on. You're so talented. What are you? No, 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 no. Like, that's not humility. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Kind of like rallying the troops, you know, that do some women have the gift of service and their, the way that they honor Christ and serve the church is by serving meals and baking and doing those things. Yes. hundred percent love that. We need those women. Cause I'm not one of them. Like <laughs> that is not my, strength. I'm not bringing the cookies at the bake sale. I'm not yeah, bringing the cookies. I'll send you the money. Yeah. I'll send you the money for the bakes. Like I can write a check and I can, I can post about it on social media and I can be a loud mouth about it. But like I'm not, I'm not a baker. I'm not a, like I'm a, barely functioning homemaker. You know what I mean? And so I think it's like we boxed women in and there's another chapter in the book about the Proverbs 31 woman and who she really is, but we boxed women into this certain identity and told them that if they functioned outside of that, they were wrong. Mm. And so that I think has gotten into our minds. And so we have to rediscover who, what God and what the people who wrote scripture really said about women. Yeah. you know, within the context of history. And then I think the second thing, which is also really prevalent throughout the book is if you're where your identity is rooted, Mm -hmm. because other people are going to try to tell you who you are. They're going to do it in a positive light and they're going to do it in a negative light. And obviously like, you know, there's statistics about 
how much more we hear and hold on to negative feedback than positive. I am a walking, talking example of that. I can get a hundred positive podcast reviews and then the one negative one, I'm like, hmm. yeah. but <laughs> you know, I, I talk really openly in the book about having multiple really difficult friendship breakups and those women telling me who I was Mm. through through like the lens of their own hurt and their own trauma and their own baggage and because my identity wasn't completely 100% rooted in Christ I believed them and so then you start like walking with this limp of am I actually as essentially unworthy of friendship of relationship of love as these people Mm. have told me and you know God is really kind to like come alongside us he is the ultimate healer Um, but I think that those are really the two loudest ways that women are hearing that message is either that their gifts don't fit into a box or someone told them who they think they are and their identity isn't deeply rooted enough to kind of reject that. Well, and I so appreciate you sharing that because it really is a man-made construct. I mean, if you, if you study scripture, just as there are so many different personalities of men, there are so many different personalities of women. I remember early on, Blake, people would be like, oh my gosh, you're a pastor's wife or you're a pastor. And like, I don't know what, or, or they say it to my husband, like, wow, I, I didn't, I didn't see you as a pastor. Like, I don't know what that means. You have a preconceived idea, preconceived notion and expectation. Now, once you kind of move past that, I've had pastor's wives that I've known who've sat quietly on the front row and were very happy to just do this and that and support their husband. I've had known some who've worked full-time outside the church. So, and you see that all throughout scripture. So I think celebrating our uniqueness as women and what we uniquely bring to the table and let's not either unintentionally or intentionally shame another woman for being too much, less than different, not exactly what we think the mold should be (laughs) because then we're either, and what you've been describing is like these two different paradigms. We're either going to be way over here and it's going to be all about us Mm -hmm. or we're going to be clamoring for the spotlight and God is somehow, you know, trailing behind. And I don't really care as long as I just get to go my name or the other extreme that you're helping us identify is, Oh, I just, God doesn't want to use me and I don't really have anything to offer. And I'm just going to just kind of be over here and be a wallflower. Neither one of those things are healthy and no. they're not healthy dynamics and they're not, and they're not biblical. biblical dynamics. Yeah, exactly. They're not biblical dynamics. They're just man-made constructs. And so I just appreciate your bold voice that you're bringing to the kingdom because you're not afraid to talk about not only things that we're saying like, okay, we've got to stop. We've got to do this mm-hmm. better. We've got to have a different conversation. We've got to shift the narrative, which I think is so healthy, so critical. I wrote a book called Fearless. It's my second Bible study is Ordinary Woman in the Bible Who Dared to Do Extraordinary Things. And I sent it to a couple of people to review it early on. It's been out for a couple of years. And I remember one of them wrote back and she's like, I'm having a really hard time with like a couple of these women actually like broke the law to do what God told them to do. And then they like went again, like against like King's edicts or they I'm like, yeah, there's some pretty strong personalities here in scripture. Exactly. And to see that what, what made them stand out is that they gave God their yes. And they were not willing to let the voice of the culture be louder than God's voice. And I'm not saying go out and break the law. I'm just saying that <laughs> there isn't a box. One size is not fit all. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's what I feel like you're trying to say too, is be 100%. who God is 
be who God has created you to be. So I want to talk a little bit about some of these topics that might be a little bit more like maybe other people aren't talking about him or not talking about him as, as much. Um, not only do you dig into them in the book, but also in your podcast, on your social media channels. So your subtitle is real life talk about all the things Christians aren't sure we're supposed to say and why they matter to God. It's the longest subtitle of a book ever, <laughs> but it's so good. And it says everything it needs to say. So my question is, and here I'm coming from like, okay, I've been in, you know, ministry and leadership for 30 years. So I really yeah. want to hear your opinion about this for a lot of reasons. I want to hear why do you think that Christians are afraid to talk about some of the things that you address in your book, like the friendship breakups you mentioned, or sex or mental health or feelings versus truth. And I mean, there's a, a several different topics. So but my overarching question is, why are we avoiding talking about some of these things? Why have you found that to be the case? I think, I think there's a lot of reasons and I think it's probably a mix of them for most people. I think some of it is we haven't necessarily seen it modeled by women in the mm. church. You know, a, a yeah. lot of the things that I've done and talked about or written about have been absolutely terrifying because I'm like, I haven't heard another female voice say this, but I'm going to say it. Oh my God. You know, like you're kind of just like throwing a grenade and <laughs> hoping it's not too bad. Um, but also it does require, I think, a certain level of vulnerability that a lot mm. of Christian voices are just not comfortable with. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that like in a shaming way. It took me a really long time to get to a point where I could talk about a lot of these things. And it's still not easy. Like I still don't enjoy talking about my mental health right. in any capacity. It's still like one of the hardest things for me to talk about because it's so personal and tender and real. And mm. it's not something that I have conquered, right? Like I'm not talking about it in this past, like this is what was happening. And then look what God did. It's like, no, like I had the worst panic attack I've had in a year last week, you know? And yeah. so I think some of it is like a fear of real vulnerability, not cultivated or curated vulnerability um that we see a lot of on Instagram of like we can we take our struggles and we put them in a really pretty bow and like then we present them to people you know a lot of the time I talk about just like the messy in between yeah. is what's missing in a lot of these conversations that I don't have it figured out and I think I think teachers feel like they have to have it figured out to teach about it and look I'm a big proponent of like heal before you talk about stuff sure. super publicly because you don't want to bleed out on everybody yeah but but healing isn't linear and, and it's 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 in process and it's it's messy and it's you know what I mean so I think yeah. I think that it's not being we don't, we don't see it modeled as women teachers and then I also think it's terrifying because it's a, a degree of vulnerability that you have to be willing to step into and it's not pretty like yeah. I am not precious like I'm not you know pink or flowers or you know and there's nothing wrong with those things but it's just I tried to fit into that mold for a long time mm. and when I broke out of it was when I think people started actually responding to the things that I had to say because I was showing up as myself and not yeah a version of someone else the most authentic version of who you are Sometimes yeah. And people get, can sense that. I agree. I feel like, you know, obviously being in pastoral ministry, I'm, I'm understandably not cautious, but I try to use yeah. wisdom in what I post. But when I get on there and say, I'm struggling today, or I had a situation that was hard on my heart today, you know, I don't need to say every detail of what it is for people mm -hmm. to relate to that. 
And sometimes that just seems to resonate more deeply than here's my shiny moment for the day. And that's fine. We want to celebrate our wins, but we also want to say, and this is look, this is where I'm at. And this is how God is speaking to me. I also think we, we stand to lose when we don't hundred percent. So what do you think we're risking losing? What's the cost of us not having these conversations? Well, the, the greatest cost is the goodness that comes in obedience. Like if God is calling you to step into something, regardless of how scary or hard it's going to be, I would rather do the hard thing than be disobedient every single day because there's so many stories throughout scripture where people choose their own way, the easier way, and it ends in disaster. So like, maybe that's not a great motivation, but I'm like, uh, uh, no, thank you. I'm like, if I can very clearly feel God, like heading me a certain way and that way is rocky and scary. I'd rather go that way yoked with Jesus Mm. than like my way that looks a little bit better Well, like, I don't know where that ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of it. And you're not advocating just like say everything you feel every moment you feel it without any biblical context. I mean, quite the opposite. In fact, you say this, you actually write this when you don't let the Bible tell you who God is and therefore who you are, something or someone else will, which is kind of what we've been circling. But you're saying, look, filter your feelings through the Bible. I'm not just saying, say everything you feel because you have like a whole chapter where you're writing about the difference between truth and feeling. So I just want to make sure people are understanding where you're coming from. You feel like it's very important today. Yes. Be honest. Yes. Be authentic. Also, maybe can you give us an example of how we balance this, our feelings with the truth of who God is in his word? Yeah. Well, I think as far as like the internet and social media and sharing things publicly, like the Holy spirit is really faithful to give discernment on that. Uh, And I've gotten to a point where he and I kind of just like function in tandem about that. And there's a lot about my life that I don't share. I'm pretty open. I'm pretty authentic. There's so much that like, I don't put every single disagreement that my husband and I get into. I don't put every single difficult parenting moment. My kids aren't even on my Instagram. So I think as far as that kind of stuff, like you can trust the Holy spirit for discernment and he's going to give it to you. Um, but truth versus feelings is another really big part of what you're sharing because regardless of what size platform you have, if you have 50 people that follow you or 500,000 people that follow you, people that are following you that you need to be storting well. Mm. And if you're popping off every like thing, thought, feeling that you have, that's going to be unhealthy as well. And so I do, I mean, I pretty consistently filter all pretty much everything I share through scripture, to be honest, that's a more recent development because I am a loud mouth and I don't have a great filter naturally. And so I did, especially early in my career, say things that I should have never said publicly that hurt people and did not accurately, um, communicate my heart or the heart of God. And I take responsibility for those things. I came out and like publicly apologized for them after Mm -hmm. I, you know, was convicted about them. There's grace. You're nobody's going to do this perfectly. But one way to ensure that you don't do that is like, what does scripture say about it? Mm. And also like, not just Like there's very little that I get on my Instagram and share about that just happened. Mm. Uh, Time is a great filter. Yeah. Yeah. Like time's a really good filter um, for sharing things as well. 
And just your overarching, the podcast, the book, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. So before we kind of move to wrapping up, who would you say, because I got a lot of the book, having been raised also in kind of a legalistic background, um, like I said, I'm the oldest of three girls. I went into music, so everything is perfectionistic. I brought that into my relationship with God. I just have to be perfect. I mm-hmm. had this false belief that the more I did for God, the more he would love me. That's very self um, it's just a destructive thought yeah. pattern, self-defeating. So I appreciated your book from that standpoint, but who would you say, because you're unabashedly saying this is confessions of a crappy Christian. So even within the title of how you framed out the message that you believe God's given you to communicate in our generation, who would you say this is for? If this is the person who's feeling this or thinking this, both in your podcast and in your book, who do you want to to go out and get this and how can they connect with you? Yeah, I definitely think it's it's for the people who just usually don't feel like they fit within the church's like the big capital C concept of the church what they've said women look like. Okay? Like this book is for women who maybe do have a like quieter spirit, but that makes them feel like they're not enough Mm. or they have a louder spirit and it makes them feel like they're too much or for people who have had, there's a whole chapter about church hurt, having bad experiences with the church, but not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know? So the hope, my big hope for the book is that it sets women free. Um, because like literally that was the point of the cross was Mm -hmm. to free us from our sin, but also so that we could live a life free indeed and a free life of abundance and of fullness. And I don't, I don't think we get to see a lot of that within the church. And I want to see more of that, not free to do whatever you want, (laughs) like not free to, to, to take advantage or pervert grace, but free that like his word is good. And he is who he says he is. Mm. And he thinks he did a good job when he made you. Absolutely. He said it was good. And yeah. we're good and we're imperfect exactly. and he loves us imperfect. He loves yes. us perfectly. He loves us in our imperfect state perfectly. And that yep. changes everything. So that message comes through loud and clear, Blake. And I also appreciate just your bold stance, just in, in current situations. The reason I wrote fearless was to say, look, these women still have a lot to say about the complex dilemmas that we're facing today as women. It's mm-hmm. not like, well, that was 2000 years ago or 4,000 years ago. And no, they have a lot to say. And so I appreciate that you are not afraid to speak. You said like women need to use their voices in politics. Women need yeah. to use their voices in all spheres of influence. And so I think when we know who we are in Christ, we're a lot more willing and, and we've, and we've filtered what we think and feel through the word of God. Mm-hmm. Then you can present something and say, listen, this is my most authentic self. I have vetted this through yeah. God's word. I am not just spouting off, but listen, we have a, we have valid voices that need to be heard in our generation. And so I just want to thank you for your bold voice for the kingdom. Yeah. And it's so needed and it's inspiring for so many And not that you're just saying, I'm going to be bold and loud, but you're going to be a bold and loud voice for the kingdom. Yeah. And there's a big difference. And so, um, I'm just 
I'm just all things Blake. Guys, go out and get the book. Where do you want them to go to order? It just came out. So do you want yeah. the website, Amazon? Where do you want me to send them? Yeah, I mean, Amazon's probably the easiest. You can get it the fastest probably from Amazon. It should hopefully be in some bookstores as well, but online is probably the easiest. Yeah, I got an advanced copy and loved it, devoured it on a plane ride, mm-hmm. took so many notes and was like, oh, I'm so excited to get down, sit down and talk with her. I just feel like you're the friend everybody needs in their life, Blake. You Thank are. You're you. the person that's a straight shooter, but also loves enough to do that. And that's just yeah. um, a powerful com- combination. And guys, she's going to pray over us in just a moment. But Blake, I always like to end with one question. You are making your life matter in so many ways, and you're encouraging us to not to shrink back, but to be who God's called us to be. But other than Jesus, who in the Bible inspires you to make life matter? Maybe someone you can't wait to meet or a question you can't wait to ask. Who's that person for you? I feel like it's such a textbook answer, but I really love Paul. I have a very similar like conversion story. I feel like my communication style is really similar to Paul. I love how Paul's like grace above everything else, but like stop being an idiot. (laughs) And like, also Timothy says, hi, like, I just love that. He's like, that's his like communication style. He's pretty like straight shooter, very open about like the ways that he is imperfect and can't Mm -hmm. do it all right. I love David too. David was a hot mess. And so I, I appreciate that about him, but those two are probably my favorites. And you know what, if God had wanted to take out all of the messy moments, he could have just given all the highlight reels, but he did Exactly. David would not be featured. That's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> and Paul was no saint when he started no, out. Yeah. So I love how you just summed up a third of the new Testament with like two sentences, <laughs> grace above everything, it's... but <laughs> stop being stupid. <laughs> Timothy says hi. Stop. Timothy, Timothy says, says hi. <laughs> Always. Every time. So now if you, if you're feeling intimidated by reading the entire one third of the new that's, Testament, that's Romans. Just you got it. Upset. Yeah. <laughs> No, I I love that. I think that's just so insightful. And I think it, it helps us to remember no one in the Bible was perfect. There's a couple of people that I do have questions like where was Daniel's flaw? Mm-hmm. Or a couple of people that just seem to like not have a major pothole yeah. in the road. But it's so encouraging for us. Listen, guys, we're not going to get this right all the time. My husband says probably on a weekly basis from the platform, from the pulpit, this is about not about perfection. It's about direction. Amen. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. So yeah. wherever you find yourself listening today, or maybe, you know, someone who's struggling in their walk with the Lord, or they're just, maybe they feel like giving up because they're like, yeah. I can't do this perfectly. So what's the point yeah. wherever you are? I want you to go get a copy of confessions of a crappy Christian, get it for your son, daughter, grandkid for yourself. I'm telling you, it's going to set you free in some ways that you didn't even know that you needed to be set free. And if you don't follow Blake, hop on over to social media and join the throngs of people (laughs) over there that are following her because she has something to say and she's saying it with boldness, but she's also saying it with relevance to the word of God. And so we need your voice. So thank you, Blake. Thank you for sharing your voice with us today. And I would love to just invite you to pray over our listeners as we close. Absolutely. Father, I thank you for this space and for the the conversations that are being created here. I thank you for everybody that's listening. I just pray that this conversation blessed them. I pray that if they make the decision to go out and read my book, that it would bless them and that it would set them free. And I pray that you would just send us out to be the church that you created us to be in the fullness of who we are, um, warts and all, Lord, that we would just know that running on mission for you is the good work and is your will for us. It's your name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.